Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hi, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Brian Davis and Denny Sipley here from Spark Rental, and we are joined today by John Maxim, who at 44 years old is not only financially independent, but he has been financially independent for, <laughs> for years now. So John, welcome to the show. Absolutely. Welcome. Nice to meet everybody. Happy well, to we are super excited to, to have you with us today and to talk about exactly how you have achieved what you have achieved and, and how other people can follow in your footsteps. So without further ado, let's let's start, let's rewind to the very beginning and talk about what you did before you got into real estate investing and, and how you got into investing, you know, your first property, how you found it, you know, all, all those juicy details. Yeah. So um, we got to go back to when I was 21 years old. Um, <clears throat> I was, I think I was donating plasma for a living for the most, <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of uh, college parties and just not just barely making ends meet. And so um I got into real estate investing kind of by accident, almost uh, me and my roommates were in a two bedroom apartment in, you know, by Utah standards, the biggest ghetto in the, in the state we're, we're uh, you know, we're in this two bedroom apartment, four of us sharing a room. And we just kind of were like, man, it seems like we could buy a house and, and have our own rooms <clears throat> and pay about the same, you know? So we went out and looked <clears throat> and, uh, and, and, against, you know, our parents, of course, and everybody was like, you know, you shouldn't buy houses with your friends. We did it anyway. So we, we bought a house, um, three of us, one, one guy listened to his mom and decided not to get into it. Uh, so the three of us bought a house and, um, you know, it wasn't very long before we thought to ourselves, we're, we're really good friends. Why don't the four of us, even though this is the thing we wanted to get away from, why don't the four of us share this one big room in the house and we can rent the other rooms out? And then next thing I know, the, so it, it had a converted garage, uh, one car garage that had been converted into like a, a, a living space. So the three of us got bunk beds in there and then we rented all four of the bedrooms out, you know, for, for like, I think it was $300 a month back then for a bedroom and a shared house. And basically made up our own little fraternity uh, you know, kind of situation. And then, um, you know, that covered our whole mortgage. And then we were like, hey, I bet if we, instead of having one bunk bed in here with us three friends, we could get another bunk. And so then we got another bunk and rented that out for $200 a month. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> oh my goodness, we're making cash flow. And then we had another room, which was really a storage room that didn't have a window or a closet. <laughs> but we rented that out as well to another guy. And so now we're making $500 a month. And then I even... You know, at some point I told my roommates, I'm like, hey, I, I think I could sleep under the stairs and we could rent my bunk out too. And so I actually, this was before Harry Potter was ever written. I actually moved in under the stairs. I had a mattress and my dresser. Oh my goodness. Started, started to get addicted to the cash flow coming in from our, our thing. So all said and done, we ended up having 10 guys in a little house <laughs> in, the, in the ghetto suburbs of Salt Lake City. Uh, 
and we were cash flowing about a thousand dollars a month on top of our our mortgage and just like we didn't read any books we didn't go to any courses we didn't have a real estate license we just kind of happened upon it i think they call that house hacking now is is what they do it's funny that um because i was doing the same similar thing i was a single mom and i needed a way to pay bills and that's what i did i rented rooms out and like smushed me and my kids together and Brian was like, oh, well, that's house hacking. And he used to compare it to Harry Potter as, as well. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, so, yeah. So that was my first kind of experience. And that that's what kind of let me see like, wow, what if I owned another house like this? I mean, we, we, we actually tried to start a business where we would make bachelor pads. It, it didn't work. <laughs> um, but we thought it would be cool. And, but then uh, the next property I bought was a fourplex, was, which was just a straight, typical uh, rental property. And we were able to get, uh, you know, financing on that. And, and uh, um, you know, ac actually me and one of the other friends did it. The third guy listened to his mom and didn't go buy another one. And so, uh, you know, that's just kind of how the journey started, where I started to see, wow, I can what if, what if I never have a job again and all I have is properties that pay me rent? You know, just, it just kind of opened my eyes early on. And so you earned good cash flow on that first standalone fourplex? Not really. <clears throat> I actually did a really bad job of managing that. And uh, we, um, we should have made good cash flow, but we weren't, we weren't very good landlords and we didn't fix it up properly. And then we'd get let people get behind on their rent and I'm not, not a very good, um, I'm not very good when that stuff happens. I kind of have a big bleeding heart and the more excuses you have, the longer you cannot pay kind of thing. And so we actually didn't do great on that first fourplex. Um, it wasn't until I started to hire property managers that my properties really started performing the way that they should. Um, but that didn't stop me from seeing the potential and continuing on, you know? Yeah, no, I asked because, you know, most people blunder their way through their first few properties, right? I mean, <laughs> most people don't get it exactly right on, on the first go. So tell us a little bit about how you scaled from there. Um, it's probably, uh, you know, I, I didn't do a lot of it very purposefully. What it actually led me to do is, you know, I, I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. I was 21. So it, right. it just let me not work more. And I did a lot more partying and hanging out and not really having any purpose, right, for for a while. So I so it wasn't another like four years until I even bought another property. I was just pretty content there. I mean, I had a few off and on jobs and I went and got my real estate license thinking, you know, I, when we bought the fourplex, I was just shocked that somebody got paid $3,000 to help us do that. You know, I was like, I, why? So I went and got my real estate license, but I didn't use it. So for like three years, I just kind of was sat stagnant. And then um, I, I, I happened upon a house that I could flip and was able to flip my first house just kind of out of there. And I, I did terrible on that. I didn't do, do a very good job. Um, so it didn't go well at first. But once I started to see the writing on the wall and started flipping houses, I started scaling up my house flipping first. Um, and that's probably one of my bigger regrets is that I kept flipping, kept flipping, kept flipping, you know, three or four years in just flipped houses, five or six a year at that time, and never kept any of them as rentals, not still not quite grasping what I had in the beginning had figured out, you know. Um, but then once you start 
getting the cash flow and the time. And once I got married and started to have an actual why besides what am I doing Friday night, <laughs> uh, I really kind of turned my business into a business instead of just a source of, of income. And uh, that's when I really had to get purposeful about things and start to scale, scale up and, and get, you know, more properties and figure out how to pay taxes and do the, all the hard things. Oh, fun yeah, stuff. Adulting. Yeah. 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 Now, is the same guys that you started all this with, were any of them, have any of them followed you? No, no, not at all. Uh, both of them uh, ended up getting married and buying a house, and we ended up selling that fourplex um, uh, during the uh, crash at a loss. Uh. Um, and they, it turned them off. They were, they were, they didn't want to do real estate anymore. So they both have moved into the one house and lived in that one house ever since. And uh, not bought any other real estate that I know of. Wow. So, so you never had a traditional nine to five career at all. Um. <clears throat> yeah. Not. Not really. Uh. I mean, I. I did. I did get a couple of. I had a couple of jobs. I actually worked for a bank in their loss mitigation department. Uh. For a, a short period after about the fourplex, which really kind of opened my eyes to how mortgages work, and how loss mitigation worked. And this was before the crash when loss mitigation really became a, a, a thing and that opened a lot of doors for me you know just the knowledge i gained there but i only worked there for like a year other than that um and and it's true i i, I joke about this but i honestly have been fired from every job i've ever had I'm just <laughs> much of an employee and how did you finance these deals because i assume you were a broke early 20 something in the beginning here. Right. And you didn't, you weren't sitting on piles of cash. So, so how did you go about financing these early deals? Um, the truth, I mean, the, the simple truth to that, uh, to that is I overpaid, um, back then, you know, we, we I was getting the, I got both of those mortgages at seven and a quarter percent, um, which was the lowest interest rate they'd had, had ever seen at the time. And, um, uh, they had these programs, I think it was called the Nehemiah program or, or something where um, the state would come in and pay your down payment at a, a little higher interest rate. And, and it was only a 3%, you know, you know, it was still back at 3% FHA. We were able to get those 100% funded through FHA and other grant programs, which, you know, I think our, I think the first house we bought was 126,000 was what it was worth. And it had been on the market for four months. And with this whole Nehemiah thing, it ended up being like 135. So we ended up paying more than that house was worth. But because of the cash flow, that didn't matter very much. And same thing with the fourplex. We ended up paying. We, we actually were able to get uh, some creative financing with the seller on that. Um, but once again, because of that, we ended up paying technically more than we probably could have sold it for. But I, I wasn't thinking about that at all. I just was like, well, does will the rents cover the mortgage? So I don't have to go do other things. And so uh, being willing to overpay for things can sometimes allow you to get property that you might not otherwise get. And, you know, when you think about how, especially the last 20 years, every five to 10 years, our property is doubling almost if you can get the cash flow right, it maybe doesn't matter as much as we think sometimes. And how, as you've scaled up, you know, how has your approach to financing changed? Your change, you know, over the years. Um, so, you know, you you get to the ten conventional loans. You can only have ten conventional loans, right? Um, At most, I mean, you know, a lot of programs only allow four. Uh, oh, well, yeah, most of them will give you up, uh, up to ten. Um, 
unless that's changed. But I hit 10 a while ago, so, so maybe it has. Um, up until then, I didn't really think very hard about the financing. Uh, but now pretty much I, I try and burr everything. And so I'm, I'm uh, usually buying it with hard money or my own money, depending on the, on the situation. Um, and then I, I get a, right now I've been getting a lot of DSCR loans or commercial loans in order to finance uh, the properties. But, you know, the burr method that everyone talks about, which again, you know, house hacking, wholesaling, burr method, all of these things I was doing before they became <laughs> courses, I guess, and you had to brand them. But, uh, you know, buying it and remodeling it and then getting all your money back so that you're essentially in it for zero dollars is, is kind of my go to for everything. Yeah, no, it's a great strategy. So, you know, for those of you in the audience who aren't familiar with that acronym, BURR stands for Buy, Renovate, Rent, Refinance, Repeat. Uh, so you, you, you pull your down payment back out when you refinance it after renovating it. Uh, yeah, it's a fantastic strategy. So what has not gone according to plan for you? Because, you know, every real estate investor has horror stories, right? I mean, I've got plenty, you know, Denny has plenty. Uh, and in, in many ways, those are just as instructive, if not more instructive uh, than the deals that go right. So, you know, what are some of the things that have gone wrong for you, you know, throughout your real estate investing career? Oh, man, <clears throat> everything. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, we, I, you know, we've had a lot of, uh, I mean, I, I don't even know where to start. There's, there's so many issues. I, I can tell you early on in my career on a fourplex uh, that I owned, um, I wasn't, I didn't have a property manager and, you know, in the beginning we all do this. We think, oh, I can manage this on nights and weekends and whatever. And then once you get, I, and I always tell even, uh, uh, students and new people that are getting in, you know, once you get to three or four, you want to seriously think about getting property management, but, but us entrepreneurs don't really like to listen to people. So we'll still do six or seven or eight, you know? <laughs> Um, and, and I, uh, so I was, I was getting a little overextended where all my nights and weekends were spent fixing leaks and mowing lawns and doing all the crap that you have to do when you're a property manager. Anyway, at, at that period, I bought this fourplex and, um, I was self-managing, doing the ads, doing everything myself. And this guy was a professional rent thief that lived in one of my units and I didn't realize it. And so he would get behind and I would, you know, work with him and, one excuse after another. Next thing I know, the guy's like four months behind. I'm like trying to get him out. So I, I try to evict him once again on my own. Uh, and then he manipulates that system to where it keeps getting extended and pushed back. And then one of my tenants moved out without my knowledge and he moved somebody else in uh, to that unit, his girlfriend. He was, it was complicated family situation. <laughs> he moves his girlfriend into the basement unit. And so I go over un, unbeknownst to me that uh, squatters have rights and now I have to evict her. And it, 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 it turned into a six month opus where I ended up losing a whole bunch of money on, on this deal. And um, really kind of like taught me that there's way better uses of my time than managing those deals. Um, because, you know, like nowadays, I, like I, I kind of laugh at how silly I was with this guy letting him go so far because I can, you know, Utah's a, a pretty, uh, you know, as far as evicting people, it's um, it's pretty landlord friendly. Like we can get somebody out in two weeks if I just hire the oh, attorney, well. that's all he does. Like oh. he, he can get him out. We, uh, you know, 30 days if they contest, two weeks if they don't, like it, 
it's not that difficult. Um, and if you use an attorney and do it the right way, it costs me $500 and, and they're gone. And had I just like gone that route, I could have saved myself a ton of money on that, on that property, you know, and it, it, um, I mean, it ended up being a fine property, but it was, it was a really hard lesson that caused a lot of stress and anguish and stuff, you know? I hear you. Uh, yeah. I've, I've had professional tenants myself. Um, it took me 11 months to get one guy out. And when yeah. I finally did get him out, he punched holes through every cabinet yeah. in the kitchen and ruined the flooring and I mean, all of that stuff. So I, uh, yeah, I, I know how that goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And especially in a, well, I don't, Utah seems a little more relaxed, but Philadelphia, I had one in Philly and it was a year and she knew how to play the system and Philly right. is tenant friendly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, what, what do we learn from that is like learn, kind of learn the rules and how those things kind of work because a professional rent thief can really, really get you if you're not, if you're not careful and you're new at, you're new at this, you know? Oh yes. Uh, speaking of damage, I'll just tell you one time I had a guy who, uh, he had three Rottweilers and we, uh, evicted, he got behind on his rent and we sent him an eviction notice and he didn't contest it, but he just left. And we, we walked into the house in the living room, the whole floor had been torn out. And in the basement were these three Rottweilers that had been there for probably two oh. weeks. No one cleaning up after him. No, nothing. There was no stair. The stairs had been torn out. He completely tore it out. It was crazy. I got the wildest pictures of it, but uh, it was a, it was a huge, huge problem. And, um, and he just left his dogs behind. Yeah. It was That's horrible. Yeah. And wasn't even supposed to have pets, by the way. <laughs> wow. So they, wow. Unbelievable, the things you see yeah. as a landlord. Yeah. So what what advice would you give someone who's just getting into the real estate investing game? You know, whether as a, as a landlord, a rental investor, as a flipper, uh, you know, someone, maybe they haven't bought any properties yet. Maybe they've just bought one or two. What's the best advice that you would give to that person? Uh, you know, or to, you know, to your 20, 23 year old self, you know, same, same concept here. You know, what, what advice would you get to people who are just getting into this? Yeah. You know, um, because of my journey, uh, I can say one thing for certain, and it's that, um, you just need to take massive action. And you know, what is more important than taking that action is to being okay with taking imperfect action. Because the only reason I got to where I am is because I just kind of like, well, what, what if it doesn't work or what if I can't pay? Like it just kind of, you know, I, me, I just stumbled through it. I just jumped right in and, and figured it out. And I find so often, you know, in the real estate community, I do, I do speaking and seminars and things like that. Like so many people are there and they're spending all this time like learning and trying to make things perfect. And they, and then they never take action. And it, Actually, I, it's kind of got me out of coaching and stuff so often because I literally will tell people exactly what to do and they, and they just won't do it. So if you're Analysis just starting paralysis. out, if you're just like whatever, whatever you need to do to take that first step, take it. And like I said, my first three deal, my first three deals I overpaid for and my parents told me not to do it and everyone told me not to do it. And I made out like a bandit. I, I literally didn't have a job for like four straight years. And when I got married, my wife thought I was this monopoly guy, even though I didn't know <laughs> what I was doing. So uh, I didn't even do it right. And I, and still investing in real estate was a great situation for me. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're going to make mistakes um, as a novice real estate investor. And that's, that's something that Denny and I talk about all the time. And you know, you have to be okay 
with the fact that you're not going to get everything perfectly, especially in the first few deals. Um, and that's uh, part of that is the tuition that you're paying for a real estate investing education, right? Yeah. And you can, and, and I will say this, I mean, if you get a mentor and you go, you go learn, like that's a, that's, I, I think those are very valuable ways to pay, or you can pay the fool's tax like I did and just kind of stumble your way through. But if you're just sitting on the sidelines waiting for the perfect deal, it's probably never going to, never going to come. I mean, I, I can make, I, you know, I flipped like a thousand houses and I probably only call two of those the perfect deal. A bunch of them right. were just deals, you know? And so I, I think uh, the other thing, people just have a hard time getting comfortable with loss. And I, I try to tell people like, I don't know any successful real estate investor that hasn't lost money. And they think, oh, I, I can't do this because what if I lose money? Well, what if you lose money? I mean, you, you'll figure it out and you'll move on and you'll get you'll get better. And so that's the that's the only advice I've got. I've <laughs> lost <mistakes>. money. Yeah. <laughs> I've lost all, a lot of money. Have, probably. Yeah. yeah. So, John, how how can people connect with you? What, what are what are you up to these days? You know, how how can people uh, reach out to you and and connect with you, whether on real estate investing deals or uh, or anything else? Uh, honestly, the best way to get a hold of me nowadays is uh, is through Instagram or LinkedIn. Um, just DMs there work great. I mean, uh, I'm happy to share email and phone, but those are literally harder to reach me uh, uh, nowadays. So, if anyone wants to reach out, um, I'm always I respond to every every DM I get. John's Instagram is is in the chat for for anybody who wants to uh, make a note of that. Absolutely. Uh, well, John. Are there any other uh, piece of advice or, or comments that you have for the audience before we call this episode complete? Um, no, just uh, you can do more than you think you can. And, uh, and the other thing I always like to tell people is there's more money out there than you realize. Just, yeah. you just don't ask for it. It's there. Awesome. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny you say that. It's one of the things that I hear, one of the questions that, that Denny and I get all the time from new investors is, you know, they, they kind of fret and they chew their fingernails over financing and funding and, you know, where am I going to get the money? And honestly, that is one of the easier parts of real estate investing. You know, if you, if you find a good deal, there is always going to be someone who's willing to fund it for you. Finding good deals is way harder. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, as is managing contractors and managing tenants and managing property managers. And, you know, th these are much harder parts of real estate investing. Uh, but everyone gets very fixated on the money piece. So, And that's because it scares them. But it, it really, you're, I mean, they got to take our advice. It really is the easiest part of the equation. If you have, the, if you have a good deal, find the deal first and the money will come. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I also put um, the article about John that we did. Um, it's in the chat as well. It's a great, uh, just a great read. Well, John, thank you so much for taking some time to join us today. We really appreciate it. And I, I love what you're up to. Yes. Yeah, no, it's great. Anytime we can chat, anything, I, I love it. I love chatting about this stuff now with people. So great. Thank you so much. Really. It's been great. It's I'm sure people are loving it. I see the, the comments. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully we will have to uh, bring you back on the show next year and hear about what you're up to then. Yeah. In the I'd meantime. Okay. Uh, yeah. Thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks guys. Have a good day, everyone. Did you know we offer a free eight video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. 
Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side. Shh.